Welcome to your favorite drive-in theater and a sparkling new season. Coming to get you, Barbara. Nerds at Drive-Ins. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the second actual full episode of Nerds at Drive-Ins. I am your host, Nitro Weezy 3K, a.k.a. Matt. Uh, I still cannot get anybody to call me by my proper name, which is Nitro Weasel, so I'm still going to have to give you my legal name. It's on my license. Uh, I am joined this week by Corey, who is a writer and uh, content creator for NerdLifeTX.com. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, sir. How about yourself? Oh, peachy keen. Uh, I had adult beverages before we started this, so I should be a lot of fun during this podcast. <laughs> Wonderful. little social lubricant never hurts. That's right. I should be very talkative, uh, <laughs> which is good considering I'm in my basement alone, just yelling at a microphone. Uh, it's not awkward at all. I'm not uncomfortable. It definitely doesn't make me feel weird about myself. <laughs> Um, so, uh, this time we are going to cover a film from the eighties. I believe it was 1983 called fire and ice. Now, uh, this movie is a sci-fi movie. It's both sci-fi fantasy. It kind of is like weird line. Uh, it's kind of strange. It's got a lot of pieces and parts to it. Um, I guess we should start by, uh, Corey, what kind of movies do you usually watch? Like, is this in the vein of films that you'd normally watch or? Well, it's, it's really funny. Whenever uh, I first looked at the list that you had given me for this podcast, I had seen the title of this. And I think it was probably the first title on that list. And I had just heard about it a couple of years ago and I was really interested in watching it and just had never gotten around to it. And uh, I was really, really excited. And this was pretty much a good enough excuse to watch it as any. So. But yeah, this is definitely in uh, the definitely in the same thread as what I usually get into. I love horror movies. Uh, I've been watching more documentaries recently than any one normal person probably should. But yeah, I, I, I love I love like cheesy horror movies as well. You know the old uh, the old of course you know George A. Romero. Uh, you know zombie movies are classics. Uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Wizard of Gore. Yes, yes. If you've not love seen it. Wizard of Gore, you should totally watch that movie. But you watch the old version, like the allure of having the Suicide Girls in the new version isn't enough to make you stay all the way through the whole thing. I haven't even seen it, honestly. I, I have it. I'll let you. I'll let you borrow it. I okay. It. Deal. Um, it's it's kind of weird. Maybe we can do an episode of this on it. Okay. It's it's uh, it's it's something. Uh, it's it sure exists. Who did they get to play the wizard on that one? Oh God! The guy—I think it was the guy that played Willard, uh, the one that played oh, uh, uh, Crispin Glover. Yeah, I think it was Crispin Glover, but don't quote me on that. Okay, it made it extra awkward because it, it was—I it, think it came out like in the mid two thousands, but for some reason it felt like super late nineties, like super late nineties. Like it was horribly creepy late nineties. It was really weird. Hmm. Uh, it was a very odd experience. Like I'm sitting there watching it. Like I know this movie, but I don't know this movie, and uh, they took some liberties, handful of liberties. Hmm. Um, gore's kind of cool, but beyond that, it's like, eh, 
Okay, so what was the last movie that you watched other than this one? Uh, probably, oh, geez, most recently discounting documentaries. I'm, I think I watched Blazing Saddles the other day because I'm a huge Mel Brooks fan, and that guy always makes me laugh. Um, Those movies are so good. He did such a good job. I remember the first time I watched Young Frankenstein. I think that was the first time I laughed till I cried. Uh, yeah, I at least can remember. Oh my god, that movie! That that movie is probably that's. I would have to say, Young Frankenstein is probably single handedly the move, the reason that I like movies at all. Like as a as like a thing. Like, what are you into? Oh, movies. Like, how do you how do you get into just liking any kind of movie at all? Like, some people mm-hmm. are like, oh, I only like rom coms or I only like horror movies or whatever. Like, I just generally like movies like i will sit down and try and force my way through just about any movie um at a certain point i will say shut this crap off if it's terrible (laughs) but just because it's a movie i will try and sit down and watch through it i actually i did years and years ago uh i was trying to do a thing called uh the uh i believe i called it the uh a to z cinema project Uh, and I lived in this really little town that didn't have anything, but we did have a family video and mm. I was trying to rent every movie in the family video from A to Z without skipping a movie. Oh man. And family videos got some real juicy selections too. Yeah. Just some real weird shit. So, mm. um, I tried really, really hard to like get through it and I made it, I, I got like 10 or 15 movies under my belt and then I got lazy and stopped, but it, young Frankenstein was the reason I started being interested in movies at all in the first place, because that movie is so funny and so well-made and so interesting. And it's like such a good take on that story Mm -hmm. that uh, it made me interested in how movies were made. So that movie probably is one of the pieces that is responsible for me being a screwed up adult. (laughs) And I'm sure Mel Brooks would be so proud to hear that too. (laughs) Oh, he he totally would. Uh, I heard something the other day. I can't remember what it was. It was a podcast I was listening to, but they were talking about Mel Brooks. And they said that like, essentially when he did cameos in his own movies, uh, they would just point the camera at him and he would just go. That doesn't surprise me at all. Like they, they didn't, uh, (laughs) they didn't try to like script out his words or anything. So like, it just brings me back to that scene in blazing saddles when he's the, uh, the mayor and he's like, work, 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 work. Hello girls. (laughs) He's talking to her chest. (laughs) Yeah, dude. It's so good. It's so good. So, uh, yeah, that's another one. If you guys haven't seen, if anybody's listening to this who hasn't seen um, Blazing Saddles or Young Frankenstein, those are really must-see movies, and you really need to like. St- like, I will even tell you, pause this podcast right now, go and watch those, watch and then, yeah, and then come back to this. Like, you don't normally hear a podcaster or like a, a content creator say, "Forget my shit for now and go do that," but I'm serious. Like, go stop this right now and go find those movies and then come back. Um, comparatively, we're not going to be hilarious at all. No, no. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, totally come back. As a side note, because nobody else would be interested in this but you, now that I know you're a fan of Mel Brooks. Um, I was once at a convention, and this guy had all had book versions of all of the Mel Brooks movies. What? And they were kind of expensive. I think he wanted like 20 bucks for them. And I was like, these are, these are neat. Like, what is this? And the guy was like, oh, uh, they did uh, kind of goofy novelizations where they took a bunch of like, they would take like still frames from the movie, and then they'd like, they'd like write a page about what was happening in the scene next to it. Mm-hmm. They weren't accurate to the movie. So they were like their own thing. That was like this goofy spinoff thing that they made. And he goes, Oh, if you really want to see something cool, check out the silent movie one, which is hilarious because they made a novelization of a silent movie. Wow. Which is hilarious. Cause I don't think that there's even anything in that movie. Like there's there, there is text in that movie, but there's only one real spoken line in that movie. 
and mm-hmm. it's it's hilarious like the concept that somebody would think to make a novelization out of a movie called silent movie that's a silent movie <laughs> that's almost worth the 20 dollars just to see how that one came out early and to this day i'm still sad i didn't buy it from him like i didn't end up getting it and i kind of wish i had because like I was looking through it. My wife's like standing there going like, are you going to buy it? Or are you not? Like we were trying to, we were like throwing it back and forth and I ended up not buying it. I'm kind of sad. I didn't now though, because uh, it, you know, something like that. It's like, it's goofy as hell. Like I should have just bought it. So uh, without further idea, we are going to jump into fire and ice. So fire and ice, uh, like I said, was made in 1983. I think it had a, a budget of either two million or just over one million dollars. Yeah, one point two million dollars, which in my brain is insane, especially for the time. Yeah, and for an animated feature that looks as good as this does. Mm-hmm. Um, for people who don't know, this movie is uh, rotoscoped, which essentially means uh, that they took actors and had them act out chunks of scenes, and then they animated over top of them. Um, some of the more famous examples of this would be like really early Disney movies. So if you've ever seen uh, Snow White, the reason Snow White's movements and her motions uh, look really good, but her kind of facial expressions are a little bit off is because they rotoscoped her. They drew over an actual actor who was doing those motions. Uh, They also did it with uh, Peter Pan, I believe, uh, the Disney movie. So if you go online, you can find pictures of the actors who are playing these characters. Now, that's one big deal part about this movie uh 1.2 million is not really that much money um i believe this was technically a commercial flop because i think box office it didn't even make that money back uh 761 in the box office roughly uh but for guys like Corey and i the big draw is and i we 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 tried not to talk about this beforehand but i think i know where you were going with this frank friggin frazetta did some of the art for this, which is goddamn mind blowing. Frank Frazetta, if you don't know who he is, is the guy, if you've ever seen like that famous image of Conan, when he's like standing with the sword aloft above his head and he's all ripped and it's all kind of like dark and really beautifully shaded. And it's like this ink drawing with like some light painting over it. Mm -hmm. That's Frank Frazetta. If you've ever seen like a seventies or eighties fantasy novel, Frank Frazetta did the damn cover. I mean, uh, National Lampoons even did the cover. Like, I think, didn't he actually do the cover for National Lampoons? Like, kind of a big National Lampoon guy, honestly. So I don't know. He might have. It's along the same, like, lines. It's like Chevy Chase, and he's got the racket and everything. I'm not sure if Frank actually did the art for it, but I know they did kind of a deal with that. But, yeah, it's huge. I I found that out and was just blown away. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of interesting. If I remember correctly, some of the other people who were involved in this were people that, like, worked on Aeon Flux and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Aeon Flux is one of my favorite series of all time. I love Aeon Flux with all of my heart. And I'm so dismayed about how that movie came out. It made me so sad. I didn't even go and see it. (laughs) Uh, Don't, don't ever. It'll just break you inside. But uh, yeah, one of the guys like worked on Aeon Flux. There's like all these super famous people that worked on this movie. Um, The guy who actually directed or uh, created the movies, I believe his name was Ralph Bakshai or Bakishi. Bakshi, yeah. Yeah. He actually uh, did quite a few movies in the same time period that are like kind of culty famous. Uh, he did a really, really, really neat rendition of Lord of the Rings in 1978 that's super cool. Uh, if you're a big Lord of the Rings fan, definitely check it out. It, it, is, it is really unique. It's rotoscoped. 
uh, how he handled like the ring wraiths and stuff is really, really damn cool. Um, so I really recommend that. He also did Fritz the cat, which I've never seen, but I know has kind of like a cult status. Um, so, uh, same guy, same guy. He did a movie called wizards. Uh, he worked on heavy metal. Uh, if you've seen any of those movies, uh, that's all the same guy. And you can totally tell by looking at his, uh, his work. So, uh, keep in mind, Frank Frazetta, keep in mind, you know, the guy that made Lord of the Rings and heavy metal and all that stuff while, while we talk about this, cause that's the kind of art you can expect from this. So, uh, the movie opens with basically like a giant exposition dump, uh, over top of a bunch of really, really rad Frank Frazetta, uh, pencil drawings of the characters that are, they're talking about in the exposition. So essentially at the end of an ice age, uh, there was a queen named Juliana who dubs herself queen of the North. She can control the frost and the snow. Uh, she gathers an army, uh, and she has a son named Necron who she teaches to use the dark arts and powers of the mind. They took over the regions that got frozen over by ice and learned to control the ice. So they're basically like frost wizards, but they also have, uh, like this weird mental thing, like professor X and Iceman combined. Mm -hmm. Um, They can like freeze things and they can also like, you know, make you paralyzed or like make you do things uh, with their mental powers. So they started to push a giant glacier that was on the edge of their kind of domain uh, southward. Uh, Any humans that were left in the area uh, that survived the ice age started to move inward. They, to- they moved south towards uh, volcanoes, active volcanoes to stay warm from the incoming snow. And one of the kingdoms that was created was called Firekeep. It's like the biggest kingdom. And the kingdom is led by a king named Jeral. So this is where the movie opens up as we get this exposition about all this stuff. And we get little screenshots of all the characters, but we haven't actually seen them in motion yet. So that's kind of fun. Uh, but that essentially closes the exposition. The first thing we see is that a small village of what looks to be like barbarian kind of hunter gatherer people. And we see uh, Larn, who is our main character. Larn, by the way, worst goddamn name I've ever heard for a barbarian in my life. Oh, man. Some of the names. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're so bad, dude. And he doesn't even look like a badass. He's like kind of scrawny. Like he's skinny ripped. Yeah. He's definitely in better shape than me. He's skinny ripped and he's got this weird long blonde braid on the back of his head. If we were talking in wrestling terms, he'd be more like cruiserweight versus a heavyweight sort of a deal or even, I guess, boxing terms. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a cruiserweight and his, his hair isn't even sweet, like a Viking braid. It's just like, he got some long, like heavy metal hair and just braided it in the back. Right. We get to see Lauren, who's supposed to be our, you know, our hero or whatever. And uh, him and his, uh, him and the rest of his village are, kind of taking defensive points with their like spears and all this crap along the top of their village wall to confront apparently a glacier. Like it's just a glacier moving towards their village. And they're like, I got my spear. I'm going to take this glacier out. Given the good old, good old uh, college try. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's super confusing. Cause you're just like, you can, you can, you can fight the glacier. Chip away at it. Yeah, I guess. But it's like not a small glacier. This thing no is like wall of ice. Yeah. When they show them standing in front of it, you can't even see it. It is like off the screen. Mm-hmm. Huge. It's probably, you know, 50, 60 feet away from the wall and it's moving. 
So it's like, what the hell are they going to do with their hatchets and stuff? The scenes of the villagers kind of prepping and doing whatever to, I guess, stand in front of the glacier are intercut with scenes of Necron, who is thrashing around his chair and going like, like like a weird like Skeletor (laughs) thing. Only I can't tell. It kind of looks like he's like pooping. Like yeah. he's like got his eyes closed and his head back, and he's got like a double chin, and he's like, he's like breathing really heavy, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's super uncomfortable. So it's it's either like you know, uh, sexy bedroom stuff or weird poop. I don't know which it is, <laughs> but uh, either way, it's uncomfortable. Uh, this movie, by the way, is PG, but I would say that this is like a 1980s PG, and you know exactly what I'm talking about if you've ever seen like Conan the Destroyer. Did they even have PG-13 back then? Yeah, I think this was before PG-13 was a thing. Because they say a lot of stuff in this movie and do a lot of stuff. The first probably 40 minutes of this movie, your kid could watch and not worry about. But like the last part of the movie gets a little intense. They start, they start throwing around the word bitch a lot. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's real weird. that they, well, they, they call somebody a slut. <laughs> yeah. Like the first three quarters of the movie is like, oh, this is fine. This is like a fantasy movie I can watch with my kid, with the exception of one thing that we'll talk about a little later on. Mm -hmm. After sensing that the village is done for, Necron kind of comes back to consciousness, and his mother tells him that they are sending a convoy to discuss the takeover of Firekeep with Jeral. Uh, Necron protests. He says that Jeral won't fall for it, but Julian is pretty sure that they can persuade him. And it's like, you can't tell if it's like a sexy thing or like they're going to threaten him because Juliana's character is real damn weird. Yeah. I don't know. She looks like one of the witches from like Sleeping Beauty or something if their face got smashed. Yeah. That's a really good description. <laughs> yeah, dude. Her nose is all upturned. She's got like headgear on. She's real weird. Well, did you ever see that uh, Excalibur movie from like the early 80s by chance? Oh God, I saw it on TV when I was a kid. I barely remember. Uh, I'll say their their relationship kind of reminded me of like the mother son relationship in that movie, where it was there was like this really weird undertone between the two throughout like most of the thing. It's a Game of Thrones relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, it totally is. It, it very feels weird. Like it's like you know he likes his mom like a little too much. They don't like do anything with that because obviously this movie's PG still, even for eighties PG, that would have been a little far, but still. So, uh, meanwhile, back at the village, apparently, uh, all of the barbarian people are dead. All of Lauren's village is dead. And he awakens to find that he survived the attack, but there is now some kind of a troll army scouring the village, uh, and they have taken a woman as a, as a captive, and they're now checking all the dead bodies for valuables. Now, I call them trolls. I don't know what the hell to call these guys. I think they called them uh, subhumans, if I remember correctly. They're like an, they kind of look like an orc, but they're more human. Yeah. Like they're, they're like scrawnier Urukai from say like Lord of the Rings. You know, they kind of got that like green pigment to them. The crazy sharp teeth, you know, mangy. They don't speak. No. They, that when they do speak, they can say a few human words, but a lot of it is just like. "Eh, eh, eh." Yelling. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's very strange. Uh, so these guys are ravaging the town. Um, Parn or Lauren decides I want to call him Parn because of uh, <laughs> uh, yeah anime. Anyway, so uh, Lauren plays dead long enough uh, for one of them to get near him, and then he basically jumps them, beats him to death with a morning star or a mace, mm-hmm. and then uh, fights a few more of them off before he realizes that he is way overwhelmed and runs away. Um, this gives the female villager enough time to escape, but we have no idea what happens to her because I don't think we see it. 
uh, but she kind of wanders off. They do do a really cool thing right here uh, where he throws a spear into the chest of one of these guys. And it's like, it goes into this weird like slow-mo, which doesn't seem like slow motion because it's it's rotoscoped. Yeah, that, that part really stood out to me. Like it looked so realistic whenever, it, like the first time I saw that, like, man, there, there's a lot of that in this movie, but that was the first part that really stood out to me. I was like, is this rotoscope? Because I had recognized it from the old Lord of the Rings movies. It's really neat. Um, he, he he throws a, a spear into one guy's chest and it kind of goes into like a slow motion fall backwards and it looks super real. Um, there's no blood, which is kind of strange, but there's no blood when he, when he spears this guy. Uh, and then uh, as he's running away, another one of them throws an axe at him that sticks in a wall. He yanks the axe out and then chucks it back in the guy's stomach. Again, no blood. Mm. The death scenes are super like awkwardly real. Like when the one he hits in the chest with, or the stomach with the axe drops, his body kind of like goes limp and lifeless, but he's still hanging on to Larn. Mm-hmm. So like as Larn is like scampering up this like cliff face, the body is kind of like, dead weighted on him that starts to like pull at his clothes and stuff it's super creepy it's kind of uncomfortable i was about to say i think it's just a matter of the animation like coming through so realistically just kind of makes it uncomfortable in a way which i mean that's it's great that they were able to portray, uh, portray that in the scene but yeah it's very very frank frazetta very frank frazetta this entire movie is like a frank frazetta painting come to life it's yeah. it's amazing so uh, he finally scampers up this cliff face. Uh, they corner him again at the top of the cliff and he leaps off the cliff uh, into a heavily wooded and vined area to escape. And they just decide, screw it. He's probably dead. Uh, back at Firekeep, Jeral awaits the arrival of Juliana's men. And he's talking with Tigra, who is his daughter. Uh, she complains that uh, she's not allowed to attend, but her brother is. And Jeral says that he prefers for her to stay in her room and continue her studies because somehow that's going to benefit her people more. Uh, the line was really awkwardly delivered, but I assume that he means that like, if she gets smart, that will be better for the people because in the long run, she will be smarter. But it, like the way he said it sounded kind of weird. Yeah, like you can serve your people better by tending to your studies or something along those lines. Yeah, that's kind of how it was. So now Tigra is interesting. Uh, Frank Frazetta has a very specific way of drawing women. He really, really loves him some uh, hourglass shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Corey, why don't you tell our listeners what Tigra looks like? Oh, man, what's the best way to describe? Okay, if uh, if you think back to like the old or like yeah, yeah, uh, like dazed and confused, the uh, the vans from the seventies. Whenever you had like you know, the big chested wide hipped ladies with like either next to no armor on, or just like some crazy, like bikini with, you know, some headdress, you know, very over-sexualized really. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what she looks like. She's kind of in this, like she's got dark hair and she's very curvy. Like she's got this tiny waist, but this like big top section and these really wide hips and rear. And uh, she is dressed in like this like purple bikini with kind of like a see-through silk overlay. So now, mind you, this movie is PG. The very next scene we get is while she's talking to her uh, teacher or tutor, I guess, that she's in her room with after her dad leaves. She lays on this couch and like stretches out and like rolls. And they do like this weird scroll up body shot of like her whole body as she rolls around with like sexy flute music plays. It's it's really (laughs) uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, dude. It's so weird. Okay, like if you're a grown man, 
don't like watch this with your wife or girlfriend because they'll think you're like touching yourself to cartoons. <laughs> it's super uncomfortable, man. Like it's so like I was like, uh, I'm a little uncomfortable. I don't. Uh, should I stop this? Like I don't. I don't know because it's. But again, that's very Frank Frazetta. Frazetta mm-hmm. always drew his barbarian women that way. But the thing is with Frazetta, some people would argue with me on this. He did not have a problem portraying a female as a badass. He had True. no problem drawing a female like slaying a saber-toothed tiger with her bare hands. He mm-hmm. was cool with that. She might be scantily clad, which is teetering on sexist, but he definitely was like, no, women can can kill as much shit as men can. Absolutely. So I got to give him that, um, if nothing else. So she's not like a, like a dumb, weak woman. Um, there actually are scenes in this where like, they handle her character very interesting. Like she's obviously from the palace and she's a princess. So she's never had like formal combat training, but she's not afraid to pick up a weapon and defend herself. Oh yeah. Um, which is kind of sweet about her, but we'll get to that later. So uh, below her room, uh, her father, Jeral is arguing with Juliana's underlings that he will not unconditionally surrender to the ice witch. So essentially their like diplomatic discussion they came to have with him was basically like, Hey, here's an idea. How about you just give up and we tell you what to do? <laughs> like <laughs> that was like their whole plan. So that's kind of weird. While they're having a conversation with him, suspecting that it wouldn't go well with him. They have already sent some of those uh, subhumans or troll men up to her room. They're scaling the outside of the building to uh, actually kidnap Tigra while the meeting is happening because they know that both Jeral and Tigra's brother will be in the meeting. Mm-hmm. So uh, Tigra's talking to her tutor. All of a sudden, these trolls sneak through the window and they punch out or beat to death her tutor and kill her panther pet, which how the hell are you going to have a panther that just doesn't like the panther's like, wow, and it's all badass. You think it's going to kill him? And they just like throw a knife at it and it dies. Yeah, rather anticlimactic. Yeah. One single knife. I figured it was going to like take one of them out with a knife sticking out of its chest or something, but that was enough. That would be like a normal fantasy trope, right? Right. Um, but not here. It's really weird the way it happened here. Um, and I think that's, that's that way with a lot of this movie. But again, down the road, you'll see what I'm talking about. So this is happening above the king's throne room. Um, the trolls, by the way, amazing freehand climbers. Uh, oh yeah, they just scuttled right up the side of like a basically a completely smooth, flat surface. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, best climbers ever. Uh, when the prince and the king uh, hear Tigra scream from upstairs, they jump into action. Uh, the diplomats draw their weapons. Everybody fights each other. Uh, the king and the prince end up slaying the diplomats, and uh, they realize Tigra is missing. Uh, the trolls run far enough away that they are tired and they stop to drink from a nearby stream, uh, at which point they put Tigra down because they've been carrying her over one shoulder like a sack of potatoes, and they push her into the water because she won't drink. She comes up out of the water soaking wet. During the push-in, they tear off the last of her clothing, essentially, except for her like underwear and bra thing she was wearing. So now mm-hmm. she's even more naked than before, which, mm-hmm. like again, PG movie. They're just like, ah, screw it. We just want to see this animated chick knuck it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but she's still in her, like, you know, bikini kind of look. And uh, she kind of does, like, a like a little sexy dance for them to, like, like, distract them. And then she dives underneath the water and comes back up, keeps her sexy dance going. Then she dives under and doesn't come back up. And they realize that uh, she is trying to escape. 
she essentially swims under the water to a different uh, shoreline and tries to get out. Now, the weird part about this is, again, PG, they animated her nipples for whatever reason. They were not very shy. <laughs> yeah, it was really awkward. Uh, so that's fun. Um, if that's what you are into, I guess it's fun. Nearby, uh, Lauren is sleeping in a tree, but he's awoken by a convoy of trolls and he decides to jump down and dispatch them quickly with his bare hands. As a result, he walks away with himself a brand new spear, which will come into play later. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Tigra, having found her way to the other shore, escapes the trolls and uh, eventually they, while looking for her, stumble into the lair of a gigantic lizard that maims and kills most of them directly in front of her. And it is awesome. It was great. <laughs> yeah. It is, like, it is like the size of a dragon, but it looks like somebody just like had their pet Gila monster or their pet like iguana and just, you know, drew it massive. Like a stegosaurus uh, kind of deal. It's pretty freaking sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's a badass. And it just stomps dudes to death and bites dudes and swallows dudes whole. And it is horrifying. Again, no blood. Nope. Uh, they do like a little thing there towards the end where it's like he scoops one up and like you can see it in its mouth and then it goes slowly off frame. And then you can hear the crunching, but you don't see anything, which I thought was kind of cool too. Yeah, it was kind of interesting the way they handled it. Tigra is nearby, but she just kind of like is frozen in fear. She kind of like curls up in the fetal position when this is going on. Cause she's like, Holy crap. That thing just ate a bunch of those. Uh, so she is not exactly prepared for this outside. World. <laughs> uh, the remaining trolls uh, perform a ritual to contact Juliana to inform her of their failure. Uh, their ritual essentially uh, boils down to them taking a handful of whatever. It looks like dirt and just throwing it on a fire. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's how magic works, if you're ever wondering. Just throw some shit on a fire. When she realizes that the girl was lost, uh, she somehow turns the smoke rings that she's speaking through into an ice choker and kills the leader of the trolls, appointing a new troll leader. Which is kind of weird, because apparently she's either smoke or ice or smoky ice. I don't know which. On the outskirts of the woodlands, uh, Larn is attacked by a group of wolf-like beasts that are all black with red eyes. Uh, he attempts to fight them off with his dagger and his spear, um, he, but he only manages to take down one out of four of them and loses the spear. So he essentially chucks the spear at them and doesn't get it back because when he kills the one, the other three just run right at him. And he's like, well, fuck that spear. <laughs> he just runs away. <laughs> Uh, so he pulls his knife out thinking he's going to, uh, cut a bunch of people. And, uh, as he's standing there swinging his knife around like a madman, an arrow comes seemingly out of nowhere and kills one of the remaining wolves, which is enough to scare the other two away. Uh, he kind of looks around to find the shooter of the arrow and ends up wandering into a village with a giant bust of what appears to be a barbarian Batman. Yes. <laughs> a lot of fun. Uh, he's got like a cowl with like pointy ears and then like Batman eyes, like the, uh, the nineties. Like, yeah. Just one color glowing, either white or yellow. I think I can't remember which, but Oh man, I love this guy. <laughs> so he just finds this giant bust of this dude. And he's like, Oh, that's weird. All right. I'm just going to like, go do something else now. <laughs> like This movie just does stuff like that a lot. He basically goes back to the wolf, decides he's hungry. Um, pulls the wolf apart and starts eating like the wolf's leg or thigh bone or whatever the hell he's eating. Uh, doesn't cook it first because he's a goddamn barbarian and a man. Yeah. So no time for fire. Yeah. Fire bad. Um, 
which by the way, he has said like, I think a total of three words to this point. Um, there's almost no dialogue after the exposition at the beginning of this movie uh, until nearing the end, which is also kind of weird. Um, so uh, he hears something in the bushes near him and uh, he decides to do the old, oh man, I'm tired. I'm going to pass out and go to sleep for no reason trick, which I didn't think was a trick, but apparently it is. Cause he's just like eating and then he's just like, bah, and he just like lays down and pretends to be asleep. <laughs> I mean, raw wolf me and probably give you the itis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's got the itis. So, uh, yeah, so he's laying there and, uh, the figure moves closer, uh, to steal some of the meat and he snatches them up and opens his eyes and discovers a hungry Tigra trying to get some of the wolf meat because she's hungry. After he discovers that it is a beautiful woman, he goes, it's fine. Take it. She basically says, I don't need your charity. Then she eats a bunch of it, throws it on the ground and then runs away. And he follows her and they start to flirt because I don't know why there's no like explanation. They just decide like he thinks she's an enemy. She tries to steal his meat. He says, it's fine. Then they're in love. There's no like leading up to it. There's no nothing. It's just like, ah, here's this now. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. We get a jump cut uh, where we see the two finally sitting together at a camp and they are hunting and cooking meals together. So we assume that some time has passed, but this movie does this weird thing where they literally do not uh, explain any time passing. There's no indication. So The pacing is a little weird in that sense. Like, yeah, this movie only runs about an hour and 20 minutes. I feel like it could have stood to be about two hours and 20 minutes. I, I personally was thinking even a trilogy for this movie would have been awesome. Like, I feel like there's so much storyline that could be possibly there. I would sit down and watch a trilogy of this storyline alone. Yeah, it would, it would have been a classic, mm-hmm. hands down. This would have been a great classic if they would have done a trilogy, or they would have at least extended it out to where we could have got some more of this background. So basically between the the self-defense, I'm going to kill you, escalation to flirting, maybe five minutes passes. Yeah. Maybe. Like, it's it's like a weird, like... Well, you're a man. I'm a woman. Let's do this. Like, <laughs> Yeah, we're together now. It's really strange. So... They fall asleep, uh, or actually before they fall asleep, they had this conversation uh, about the Icelands. Uh, They're standing on the edge of the wilderness looking at the frozen tundra kind of area that's on the edge of the wilderness as the ice moves in closer and closer. Tigra admits to Lauren that she is very cold because she has never lived anywhere that didn't have heat. So apparently she was born near the volcano. Uh, And she can feel that it's getting colder every day. Lauren says that the cold comes from Necron, to which Negro responds, I know, and that's the end of that conversation. Um, Just some great dialogue and exposition. Again, they could have expanded why she knew. He doesn't know she's a princess, I don't think. There's no, like, explanation for why these two are so friendly all of a sudden, no nothing. After cuddling up for the night, uh, Tigra decides the next morning that it's time to travel south and get back home. Lauren says that for whatever reason, he's also heading that direction. So they decide they're going to travel together. But while they're making this decision, they decide they should flirt some more and get like a tickle fight or whatever the hell they're doing. (laughs) And uh, Lauren falls into a nearby lagoon. We find out that the lagoon is home to a giant one-eyed Cthulhu octopus monster. I freaking love that thing. (laughs) It was not, it was, it was none too pleased that Mm -hmm. there was a dirty barbarian man in its water. Uh, so it, it snatches him up and tries to eat him, and all he has is his knife. Uh, 
after a short fight, uh, Lauren basically stabs it in the eye, and he is flung from the lagoon and knocked unconscious. Pretty A pretty good distance <laughs> from the lagoon. Tigra goes to him, uh, and she gets all cryy because, you know, she's like, oh, no, Barbarian's sad. I'm, he's dead. I'm sad. Uh, but he's not dead. He is just unconscious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's while she's you know crying over his body, a group of uh, Juliana's trolls are propo- patrolling nearby and uh, find her kind of hunched over him. So they decide just to take her. Like, hey, this is what we're looking for. Sweet. As they drag her off, the very next scene is just Larn waking up. And when he wakes up, he is strapped to a cot and just barbarian Batman is there. And there's, again, there's no explanation. There's no like, hey, you've been out for days. There's no, how long has he been out? There's no anything, right? Just so, yeah, yeah, just wakes up. Here we are. Very strange, very strange cut. It's like they, they cut a big chunk of the movie or something happened here where we're missing a big chunk of time. Barbarian Batman uh, is there. His actual name is Dark Wolf. Uh, but uh, do you do you want to describe what Dark Wolf kind of looks like? Yeah, he's. I mean, he's what your stereotypical barbarian looks like. Completely just jacked to the gills, eight pack abs. He's got uh, a black like wolf skin for a mask sort of deal. You know, giant battle axe. He at first, whenever I like they show him in the movie, he kind of reminds me of like a Molly Hatchet cover. Yeah, totally. You know. He, that's that's dark wolf yeah and again that that is also frank frazetta yeah yeah so those molly hatchet covers also frank frazetta um but yeah he's just got a big fuck off axe and he's got super high-waisted pants for some reason like he's got like this loincloth but it like comes up to like under his nipples (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's the the steve urkel loincloth yeah it's really strange I dare you to laugh at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, laugh at me now, bitch. Yeah, I'll ax you to death. So Barbarian Batman uh, basically tells Larn, hey, I had to strap you down to keep you from hurting yourself while you healed, which again leads us to believe like he's been out for some time, long mm-hmm. enough for this guy to find him, medicate him, tie him to this, and heal his wounds. And like, you know, well, not heal, but like, you know, look over his wounds. Mm-hmm. So what the hell is the time frame? What is the time frame between him getting flung out and this happening? Like, they could have at least montaged it, for God's sakes. Yeah, and they didn't even do that. It's just a solid jump cut to the next scene. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. So uh, good old uh, uh, BB, or Dark Wolf, uh, <laughs> is a uh, wandering barbarian uh, who is looking for a way to kill Necron and, quote, that wolf bitch, Juliana, uh, for the destruction of his village. Which, again pg movie it's kind of harsh because up until this point not really anything too crazy but then they're just throwing around hard bees like it's no big deal yeah i think that's like the first time any like real curse words even come up in the movie if i'm not mistaken yeah it's really strange so uh that happens uh but again in during this entire scene we never get introduced to him as dark wolf uh the only reason i know what his name is is because i found it in the credits Uh, i don't think they ever call him by a name you know, I don't think so. Yeah, so that's really weird. Um, but again, I, I'm not like I, I like Frank Frazetta, but I'm not like a. I wouldn't call myself like a like an aficionado of Frank Frazetta's work. So maybe there's a painting called Dark Wolf, and we're just supposed to take it off of that. I don't know because that kind of stuff happens a lot um, with Frazetta's art. 
uh, that, you know, the, they'll get like a character that's like a, a very famous character and, and that'll be like, oh, well, if you don't know that guy, it's just because that's the name of the piece, the art piece. So uh, the two uh, decide to return to the campsite, find T. Vergon, of course. Uh, Dark Wolf is a totally rad woodsman, so he just tracks the pack and finds out where their camp is. In the troll camp, uh, Tigra is attempting to escape as night has fallen. Again, I don't know if we're just supposed to assume that this is the night she was taken or a future night sometime later. I have no idea. She attempts a daring escape by waiting until everybody passes out drunk and then stealing a dagger, which she proceeds to try to snap her chains with. Now, apparently her schooling didn't inform her that that's not a thing you can do. Uh, <laughs> But uh, she thinks that she's going to take like, we're not talking like a sword that she could like, you know, drive through it. We're talking like a tiny little dagger that goes right through the chain link. It looks like an exaggerated paring knife. Yeah. It it really does. How she thought she was going to break that. It's really strange. But essentially uh, she tries to break her uh, shackles. Uh, Well, not her shackles, her chain. She's kind of, imagine uh, the uh, Christina Ricci character from uh, black snake moan how she's chained up to that uh you know radiator only being chained up to a drunk trollman that's essentially what she is she's chained to a drunk troll guy around her waist and he's you know got attached to her um so while she's trying to escape uh the guy who's connected to her wakes up and she decides i'm gonna stab you and so she gets her stab 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 on she practices her stabbing all over him and uh realizes that now she's got a corpse connected to her. So that's a lot of fun. Now she's trying to escape still, but has this corpse uh, that she has to drag with her. And that's a really awkward scene. Yeah. Uh, it's just like this, this girl, like dragging the corpse of a troll away again, PG movie guys, PG movies. And I think this might even, that might even been like the first time they really showed blood too. Cause they kept like with the minute details, they actually showed a little bit of a blood trail from the corpse as she was dragging it again, it's almost like they were going PG PG really family friendly, really simple until like a certain point, And then they were just like, screw it. They all say bitch slut. There's blood. everywhere. <laughs> it's very like, it's a really weird tonal shift. It's, it is. Yeah. So she tries to drag the body away, uh, makes it to the top of a nearby Ridge and then ends up falling down the Ridge and the body falls with her. So it drags her to the ground pretty quick and knocks her unconscious. Uh, back up on the top of the ridge, Dark Wolf and Lauren have finally made their way to the camp. Uh, they decide that DW is going to attract the troll's attention so Lauren can sneak around the back of the camp and grab Tigra, whom, of course, they assume is still in the camp. Uh, after Dark Wolf single-handedly dispatches like 30 dudes, uh, he and Lauren rejoin to discover that Tigra is not in the camp and they decide that their best course of action with the amount of enemies, I believe they say there's about 50 enemies in the camp, That sounds about right. Uh, Yeah, we only see like 10, but he says that there's like 50 in the camp. Uh, So they decide that they're going to lead them away from the camp, hide in the woods, then circle back and search for her again. I don't know how that is a plan, but okay. Uh, They probably know better than me. They are barbarians. I am a scrawny white IT guy from Ohio. I assume (laughs) they know it. Um. Meanwhile, Tigra regains consciousness at the bottom of the ravine to find that a, there is a giant lumbering man beast standing over her body. He does not look like one of the trolls. He is fair-skinned and red-headed and kind of looks more like a man than the trolls do, but he mm-hmm. still isn't quite human. 
the creature reaches down, snaps the chains holding her, and throws her over his shoulder, drags her off into the woods. Uh, this is a theme with her, apparently. This is her thing. Uh, she is she is the Princess Peach in this story. <laughs> uh, so uh, while that's happening, at Firekeep, uh, Tigra's brother Taro uh, is sent to Juliana's castle in an attempt to talk peace with Necron and barter for Tigra's return. Tigra finds herself taken to the hut of Rolil, who is apparently some sort of a wood witch, as she lives in a hut in the woods by herself and does all kinds of witchy things like spells. Uh, she offers Tigra a drink and introduces the giant man beast that has took, take, taken her away as Artoir or Atoir, something like that. that. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, again, they don't really give any names. Like, Rolil's just like, I'm Rolil! Did Artoir scare you? And of course, Artoir doesn't have any like real like verbal lines skills at all. <laughs> yes. I, I, I didn't even think to look for him in the, uh, the credits because if he is in the credits, I would be supposed, Oh, it's Ottawa. He was, he was voiced by Mickey Morton. Maybe he was voiced. He could have been voiced by Mickey Morton or he could have been, uh, played by Mickey Morton because that's the other thing. Uh, different actors portrayed these characters than voice, voice them. Yes. So the guy that you know voiced Lauren maybe didn't act as Lauren. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Tigra takes the drink from Raleel, drinks it, uh, begins to feel woozy, finally passes out, apparently drugged by the Wood Witch. Uh, Raleel reaches in, yanks a strand of hair from Tigra's head, and drops it into a cauldron, which means that she can see the girl's past or something. Yeah, something like that. It tells you about them. Like, I don't know. Yeah, because sure, why not? I, I yeah. don't know. She can, like, for some, somehow, she just all of a sudden starts screaming about how Necron is hunting for the girl. Uh, and she's pissed about it. But there's, like, no explanation, like, who this witch is, why she why did that. Why she's mad. Why she's mad, what her powers are. We get nothing. Again, this goes back to your point. If this was, like, a trilogy. Awesome. I can tell you right now. That character's design and the insanity that she like when she starts like shrieking and screaming. Dude, I love that. I would have loved that character. She'd have been my favorite yep. character in the whole movie if she had been in it for more than about four seconds. Mm-hmm. Like hands down. Because wood witches are sweet. I love yes. wood witches. Um, I, I especially love uh, I don't know if you saw though if you're a uh, an American horror story fan. I, um, I haven't gotten around to it, no. <laughs> okay. Well, there's one, uh, they have one that's all about witches. And uh, they've got a, a wood witch in that who uh, is obsessed with um, Fleetwood Mac. Okay. And uh, what's the what's the singer's name from Fleetwood Mac? Uh, Stevie Nicks. Yeah, she she's obsessed with Stevie Nicks, and she thinks she is Stevie Nicks. So she dresses like Stevie Nicks and just plays Fleetwood Mac records in the woods while she does spells. And she lives in, like this weird shit hut in the woods, like literally made out of like gator crap and sticks. <laughs> and she like communes with gators and stuff. She's awesome. That sounds awesome. She's not only very attractive, but that's an amazing idea for a character. I would say that's an A for originality. Like, Yeah. So later on, they have a whole sequence where I believe she's actually singing a Fleetwood Mac song. And Stevie Nicks is there playing the piano. It rules, dude. It's amazing. That's sweet. Yeah, dude. So definitely check it out. Uh, I think it's uh, AHS Coven. That's, right. that's the season it's in. And that's a, that's a pretty decent season. Skip the Alien season because that was dumb. Uh, but Coven's good. Anyway. Raleel decides that uh, she will offer Necron Tigra for a price, which is, again, unspecified. We don't know why or how they know each other or why that's a thing, but apparently it is. 
Um, elsewhere in the woods, uh, DW and Larn kill another like 10 gazillion trolls by throwing rocks from a ridge, which apparently is the magic way you kill trolls because they don't fight back. <laughs> like they totally reminiscent of like some old Star Trek episodes with like Kirk and Spock just throwing. Yeah. That's all yeah. I can think of. <laughs> they throw like 12 rocks each and they're like, they're just like, Oh no, don't hit us with rocks. Like they don't try to like fight. Back. <laughs> it. <Routed>. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, these two dudes just walked you. You guys are the worst warriors ever. <laughs> um, so dark wolf realizing that they are going to be overrun when the trolls finally do realize they can climb mountains pushes Lauren off the mountainside and insisting that he find the girl while Dark Wolf faces the remainder of the trolls head on like a damn badass because mm-hmm. he is a badass. Atwa uh, returns to the hut. Uh, he's kind of gurgling and stumbling over his words, even for him. And uh, Raleel's like, ah, what are you talking about? Like, eh, come on. And then he falls over dead with a spear in his spine. Raleel realizes what's happening, stands up shrieking like an a-hole, and is quickly knifed by one of the troll guys. Because guess what? When you have something the bad guy wants, the bad guy will just knife you to take it instead of paying you for it. Hence, bad guys. Yep. Yeah, that's why he is a bad guy. Now, I don't know what the switch is, but apparently she is not a bad guy because she did not figure that out all by herself. Chaotic neutral. Yes, until after she was knifed. And she figured it out pretty quick. (laughs) So for good measure, the trolls decide to burn down her crab hut in the middle of the woods on their way out because they are just assholes, I guess. (laughs) There's no other reason for it, just that they are assholes. Sometime later, again, non-disclosed, but we know it's sometime later, Larn wanders into the area and sees the burnt remains of the house, which means it was enough time for the house to burn down, but we don't know how long or where he ran from or how long it took him to get there or how long Tigra has been gone because... There's no pacing in this movie. Oh, horribly. It's terrible. If nothing else, that's the thing that I hate the most about this movie is they cut things so short and don't explain time jumps. If I can remember correctly, because the scene coming up is probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie, hands down. Oh, it's metal as fuck. I I, I feel like, yeah, the buildup to this, uh, he was like... He was further away in the jungle and he could see the smoke from the hut, but it's like miles and miles away. So you would expect at least, a, I would say, what, a couple days worth of traveling by foot that they would take for them to get there anyways. But, I mean, that's the best they give you. Yeah, it's it's really weird. It's just like an assumption. Like, you don't mm-hmm. you don't ever get any idea, like, how long time has passed. It's I, I hate it. So uh, as Lauren is wandering through the burnt remains of the house, the corpse of the wood witch, Raleel, arises and informs Lauren about what happened. Now, this is badass because when she comes back to life, she is skeletal as hell and her hair is all white. And like you can see all her jewelry is still on her. She's all rad looking and it is awesome. And it's so a matter of factly whenever she comes up. The first time I saw it, it like it initially kind of chilled me. I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Like what the hell is happening? It was so creepy. But again, this is another thing that makes her like. I wish she was in this longer because that's a badass power. She comes back from the dead to tell somebody about her own death. We're not talking like a, a metaphor for coming back to life. Her corpse sits up burnt and gross looking. And just starts having a casual conversation with this guy who just happens to be walking by what used to be her house. Yeah, it's awesome. It is like the uh, coolest thing I've ever seen. If I had seen, see, the problem is I just saw this movie for the first time as well. If I had seen this movie when I was like 13 years old, this would have been my favorite movie. I would have been like, 
that barbarian girl's in a bikini. They kill like 70 dudes. This chick's rising from the dead. This is my life now. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That's like, all I was thinking watching the movie every single time. I was like, man, my 13-year-old self would have loved this. I w- my head would have exploded. Yeah. No joke. I would. This would have blown my mind as a 13-year-old boy. So uh, Lauren has a back and forth with the uh, corpse of Raleel. And she basically says, I'm not telling you where he went. Why should, why should I tell you where they took her? And he says, because I will kill them. She goes, cool, sweet enough for me. They went that way. They're going to the ice peak. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, like that was enough. He was just like, I will murder literally all of them. She's like, yes. Which <laughs> made, made her character even cooler, if that was even possible at that point. Yeah, she's just like, fair enough. Murder's good for me. That's good enough payment. Yeah, so that was pretty rad. So he promises to avenge her. Uh, by the time Larn finally catches up with them, uh, the trolls have loaded her onto a boat along with uh, Juliana, and uh, they are headed towards Ice Peak. Luckily, Larn overhears a nearby group talking and realizes that there is another boat heading that direction, which happens to be Taro's, uh, who is Tigra's brother. Uh, he's also heading that direction, so he so Larn decides to jump on the back of the boat and stow away. Uh, hitch a ride to Ice Peak. In Ice Peak, Juliana presents Tigra to Necron uh, as a possible bride. Like she literally is just like, here, I brought this for you. <laughs> like She just throws her on the floor in front of him. It's really weird. Kind of fueling the weird relationship that they've had throughout the entire movie right there. That's for sure. Yeah. He's just like, look at this thing I brought you to have sex with. Like that's essentially <laughs> what it is. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. And she basically says, this will be your bride. She will bear your children. Uh, Necron uh, basically is like, why did you bring that to me? Uh, he's super uninterested in the whole thing. He's only basically interested in murder and killing and death, uh, which by the way, that should be a note to all you parents. If you raise your kids shitty, they're going to be shitty. Just saying. A very solid lesson to be learned in this movie, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, so this movie is basically like a, uh, this is an after school special for parents. A how-to guide of parenting. Yes, exactly. Because otherwise... <laughs> Uh, everybody dies. Yes. Spoiler, mild spoiler alert, but still. Yeah. Uh, as Necron protests, uh, Tigra realizes what's happening, jumps in, tries to be like, oh, Necron, you know, we can be friends and we can destroy all the problems that our, our two villages have had. Won't you be my friend? And she tries to like shake his hand. Necron's response is, uh, is totally reasonable. He laughs in her face and then tells her he will spit on her. <laughs> Which- yeah, like, oh, man. Dude is straight up evil. Like, yeah, there's. It's not like there's not even an ounce of like nice dude in here. He's just like woman. I spit on peace and I spit on you. I'm like Jesus, man. <laughs> so then he immediately calls her a slut and tells his mother that he will kill her if she brings another girl around here. <laughs> Real nice guy. Real yeah. nice guy. Really solid dude. Uh, yeah, I mean he. I'm surprised he doesn't have a cabinet position. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That was a political joke. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised he's not, I don't know, on the National Security Council or something. Anyway, uh, they decide to throw uh, Tigra into like this weird frozen waste area that I guess is just like a pit near the uh, uh, throne room where apparently they throw several people to die because we see corpses and everything else laying there uh, just kind of rotting. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of uh, the beginning of 300 where they throw all the defunct bed, uh, babies and everything, but with yeah. ice. 
Yes, yes, just ice everywhere. So essentially, they just leave them down there to die. Intermission. If you wish to avoid spoilers, jump ahead to the next musical intermission. On the shores of the peak, uh, Taro finally arrives uh, unknowingly with Lauren in tow. Uh, Lauren sneaks off the ship and separates from uh, Taro and his crew. And uh, Taro decides to ride directly through the center of town, uh, up through this like ice village to the keep, while Lauren decides he's going to be stealthy, sneaky, and climb the mountain face and kind of sneak around. Uh, after receiving a bunch of verbal abuse and harassment on his way through the village, Taro finally stands face-to-face with Necron. Essentially, his offer is, hey, we will bend our knee to you if you return our sister. Necron says, bro, I already offered you that. You said no. Your sister's mine now. By the way, I should totally mate with her, which is really weird and uncomfortable. He's like, I didn't want to mate with your sister, but now I do because you're here. (laughs) The character of Necron, I I, I wasn't sure if I even really liked him until about this point in the movie anyways, because he just has some incredibly evil, sinister dialogue towards the end of this movie. Oh, God. (laughs) Yes, he is is literally just evil the thing. Like, he is awful. Everything he says is just the biggest dick thing you've ever heard in your life. It's terrible. In response to Necron saying, I should mate with your sister, Taro draws his sword, and uh, that doesn't go well. Um, no. Do you want to go over what, uh, what Necron, uh, how Necron handles a drawn sword in his courtroom? Uh, yeah, it's, he pretty much like, does this, his telekinesis thing and just freezes everybody in place. And probably the most evil way you can dispatch of your enemies by making them kill each other. So, like, they take uh, uh, Tigra's brother, and he just starts hacking away and killing everybody around him. And then he just turns the sword on himself and just, like, slowly, like, shoves it. And, oh, man, it was it was painful to watch. Yes, and, and here there is blood. We yeah. like see blood coming out of these people while he's hacking his own people away. And it's super emotionally uncomfortable because it's not just like, oh, this is a quick thing. It's kind of like slow, slow and, and, and yes, man. And like, he doesn't like take a swipe and kill several of them at once. He just like, they, he makes him like walk up to one guy and just stick the sword through him real slow. Like mm. it's super uncomfortable and it's like, ugh. Like, it just, it really solidifies Necron as uh, King Dick of Dick Mountain. I, w- I was expecting the typical bad guy, like, you know, monologue, you know, t- talking about his plans in that moment as soon as he froze him, and then that happened. Yep. Ooh. No monologue, just murder. Nope. Yep. <laughs> also, I'm copywriting that t-shirt right now. No monologue, <laughs> just murder. That belongs. Copyright Nerdlife TX 2017. Y'all can suck it. I will wear that with pride. <laughs> right? <laughs> um... So, uh, yeah, Necron dispatches the convoy and decides to, guess what, throw the bodies into the icy wastes, the same icy wastes that he threw Tigra into. So trolls go ahead and throw uh, Taro's body down there, which lands right next to an unconscious Tigra, who wakes up and basically has her entire reality shattered by staring into the face of her brother's corpse. Lots of fun, guys. PG movie. (laughs) Um, back in the throne room, uh, Lauren has finally made his way there. He sees Necron kind of standing near his little throne, but he's not really paying too much attention. Lauren finds a nearby bow and quiver and attempts to assassinate Necron with an arrow. 
misses and Necron's like, I don't think so, and paralyzes him in place. But instead of killing him, uh, Necron calls for the guards to drag Lauren out of hiding, arm him, and throw him in front of Necron. Uh, Necron decides he's going to be a Billy badass, like every drunk guy you've ever met at a bar, and pulls his own sword out. He's like, I'm going to fight this dude. So he takes his shirt off because that's what badasses do. Yep. Yep. Uh, he basically says that the barbarian, quote, interests him. Uh, Necron decides to go ahead and do this 1v1 sword thing for about four seconds before he realizes that he's going to get his ass kicked when uh, Lauren gets one solid slice straight across Necron's midsection. Uh, it's pretty awesome to watch mm-hmm. because you are just like, like, I literally was like sitting at the edge of my seat, like, yeah, kill this motherfucker. <laughs> like, is this it? Is this it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Throw down. Yeah. Like I was smashing beer cans on my head. <laughs> yeah. So tired of the games, uh, Necron gives up and finally just uses his magic to knock Lauren unconscious and tells his uh, uh, minions to lock him in a cage because there's still a uh, fight left him, in him. Now, Question time. Hmm. Kills Taro when Taro draws a sword. Lauren shoots an arrow at him. He's like, I like this guy. I like his, I like the cut this of his gym. <laughs> this guy's a real solid dude. I'm going to keep him around. Why? Why? And see, I think that's where, you know, a longer movie, if not a trilogy, would have really come in handy here. Because, I mean, you could have you worked in the classic, like, Star Wars angle where it's like maybe he has some sort of tie-in with the bad guys in some way and that's why he's in the barbarian village so they didn't get a hold of him and you know surprise you know something but yeah it's just one of those un unattuned actions that we have no idea why it was taken other than it's a plot device and that's what it said in the script right I mean they could have even been like oh I'm gonna save him and and change him into like a mage or change yeah. him into one of my minions but we don't even get that we just mm-hmm. get he's kind of a badass put him in a cage <laughs> like I don't understand Tigra who is now conscious again and is armed with a dagger that she stole off of her brother's body instead by the way of pulling the sword out of his chest you know the full size sword she again opts for just like a little dirk she's like <laughs> I got this she's you know proficient yes exactly uh, Tigra sees Lauren being loaded into a cage, uh, sneaks up as soon as the guards walk away, says she's going to find a way to help him. But as soon as she walks away from the cage, she is grabbed and drug away. Uh, immediately after, because again, no explanation of time passing, a guard walks up to Lauren's cell and opens the door to check on him. Now, if, if this is happening in real time, Lauren has been in that cell for all of two minutes, real time, give or take. I'm, I might be giving, I might be overshooting it. Uh, he's been in there for a total of two minutes. They're like, well, better check on the prisoner. I'm like, bitch, you just put him in there. Yeah. What are you talking about? And not like, you know, look through the window, like open the door and go in and like talk to him and see how he's doing, how he's been like. Th- yeah. Touch his butt. I don't yeah. know. What are you going to do? This dude just, he's a total noob guard. Cause he just like, he flings the door open, just wanders in, doesn't even check, you know, behind the door, the one <laughs> spot that anybody who is in a situation like this knows to check just wanders in and just gets pummeled to death with fists, which is I, hilarious. I think this is also the first time I've watched a movie like this where prisoners weren't chained to the wall in some way, shape or form. Yeah, they just like laid dude down in there and they were just like, just stay here. <laughs> yeah. Stay here for five minutes while I go do something and come back and check on you. I gotta go to the bathroom and be right back. Like, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I went, I went and peed all over that icicle. There ain't no icicle. <laughs> I 
I write my name, but I don't know how to write. <laughs> yeah. I wrote, uh, <laughs> right. uh, so, uh, Lauren obviously dispatches this guy equally or, uh, pretty easily, uh, for a total, uh, jail time of about 45 seconds. Um, he then escapes into the cavernous interior, uh, and then finds his way out onto the icy peaks where the trolls again, try to hunt him down. So he runs, then some real biblical shit happens. Uh, he's running across frozen tundras while snow, rain, thunder, and lightning hail down from above, which Most is epic. horrifying. And also, we're supposed to assume created by Necron, who is laughing maniacally over top of this the entire time it's happening. It's pretty sketchy. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so after he runs for about, I don't know, a fortnight, we assume, because again, no time passes. Uh, he finally gives up. Uh, falls to his knees, accepts his fate that he's going to get murdered. Uh, he's cold and exhausted. And as a troll runs up to finally, you know, give him the old killing blow, uh, again, arrows come sailing out of nowhere and plant himself into the chest of the nearest troll. Who do we think it is? Good old BB. Good old BB. Good old barbarian <laughs> Batman. So uh, Dark Wolf emerges from somewhere on the tr- tundra. Somehow he's in the dark being spooky even though he's wearing all black in a white fucking tundra nobody saw him so that's cool uh then we just get a jump cut where now uh dw and larn are back at firekeep again no explanation no like hey we walked back no like hey i was hurt but he took me back on horseback no nothing they're just magically back at firekeep instant transmission yeah really fucking weird so uh, they're back at Firekeep uh, in- informing Jeral of uh, Taro's death and that Tigra is missing, but they know that she's still alive because they think that they saw her. They request the use of, quote, dragon hawks to get into the building. Jeral agrees, but informs them that if the glacier gets any closer, he will drain the volcano to melt the ice. I have a question. Yes. If you could fucking drain the volcano to get rid of the ice, why are you just letting the, the ice be there? <laughs> my assumption, at least whenever I first watched it, my assumption was a lot of collateral damage, and he wanted to avoid that maybe. Uh, I, my assumption is reasons. <laughs> there, there just isn't one. Like, I don't, like, yeah, they do show something later that could, that could lend itself to your idea, but I just, I don't understand. Like, if, you're, if your village is in that much danger, and you're just like, Oh man, that ice is coming up here. Don't you just hit it with fire? Like, don't you just don't you just throw lava at the ice witch? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, I, you know, as much as I try to justify it, it's still not entirely solid in its reasoning. That's for sure. Right, it makes no damn sense. So uh, yeah, so that's a lot of fun. DW and uh, Lauren ride out on uh, pterodactyls because that's apparently what dragon hawks are. They're just freaking pterodactyls so they fly back to the icy caverns with a crew of Jeral's men now here's the fun thing about that literally all of them but the same two guys uh Larn and dark wolf get murdered in the first five seconds of being inside of the icy caverns. it's insane they drop like flies yeah i'm like these are supposed to be like elite soldiers mm-hmm. and they all get killed in like four seconds from like a rock getting thrown Yep. Rocks, arrows. One of them, I think, runs into the other and knocks him down. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's almost three stooges. Like, yeah. Slapstick. Like, literally, just, I want the Benny Hill play theme. Like, <laughs> theme. Uh, 
Like, it's just ridiculous. I'm just like, dude. And they, they, they talked about this. Like these guys were these super elite soldiers. They talked about these motherfuckers. Like they were seal team six. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, that bitch just ran into that other dude. If literally your only job in the military is to fly jets, you fly jets pretty good. These guys are like, I fly this bird. I don't know. I'm going to hit this wall. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's my first understand. day. It's my first day. Goddamn rookie Steve over here. <laughs> like, goddamn. Like, I have no idea. So, like, all of them are dead with the exception of, again, uh, Lauren and uh, Barbarian Batman. So, uh, the two of them uh, make it all the way to uh, Necron's uh, caverns, basically right outside of the throne room, where he uses magic to rout them. Uh, Larn pulls up and crash lands just outside of the throne room, uh, but his dragon hawk is apparently fine. I don't know. It, it, I don't know if it's dead or alive or what. I, I wasn't sure. It was hard to tell. It was just like the tutor at the beginning of the movie. I still can't tell if she's like just knocked out or dead or what. Yeah, I have no idea. So uh do have to specify Dark Wolf's is very dead as he yeah. flies it directly into a bunch of archers and then throws its corpse at them so he can jump off and land in the throne room. So metal. Uh, yeah. So uh, just a real quick aside. Rip Dragonhawk 1983. <laughs> um, so... Uh, Larn fights his way through the wastes, finally finds Tigra, uh, who literally bumped into Juliana, escaped three seconds later, kills a troll, and reunites with Larn. Like, there's no point of that scene at all. Mm-hmm. Tigra's just down there. Juliana's like, hey, you. She's like, oh, no, and then just runs away. Like, there's no point to the scene at all. Like, Juliana literally could not be in this movie at all, and it wouldn't matter. So that happens. Meanwhile, in the throne room, Dark Wolf and Necron are getting ready to square off for their final battle, in which uh, Dark Wolf totally hulks the hell out and uh, attacks Necron. It's it's pretty awesome. It's amazing. It's, it's it's amazing. All I can think of is if anybody you know plays D anD D and you play a barbarian, you have like the Berserker rage, and that's like pretty much makes you unstoppable. Same thing going on here. This this whole movie really just kind of felt like a D anD D campaign played out. But yeah. this moment was just epic. Yeah, absolutely epic. So good. So, uh, you know, Necron's using his manipulating magic to try and, like, stop Dark Wolf, essentially. And Dark Wolf just hauls back with his axe and goes to take a swing and kind of gets, like, uh, frozen in, in place uh, with, uh, you know, his mental powers or whatever the hell. He just keeps fighting through the pain, almost mm-hmm. like somebody who's lifting too much weight. Like he's just like, ah, and he just pushes through the magic, which apparently is a thing you can do. I had no idea. But as a part of this, when he finally does just like Hulk out, his entire body glows blue and he slams his ax into Necron's chest. It is the coolest goddamn it's thing so I've awesome. ever seen. <laughs> it rules. The entire battle lasts one minute, basically, but it is the coolest minute of your life. Yeah. True. It is awesome. So uh, after that blow to the chest, Necron is still alive, rolling around, writhing in pain on the floor. Barbarian Batman raises his sword far or his uh, axe far above his head and slams it down again into the chest of Necron, killing him. As the final blow against Necron falls, the ice wall that's been moving towards Firekeep pushes hugely forward coming right over towards fire or fire keep crossing the river. And they decide that they're going to release the lava. Now, when they release the lava, it apparently is enough lava to shoot all the way from fire keep 
into Ice Peak. It's a lot of freaking lava. It is a lot of lava, and it goes for miles. So there's like this giant luge of melting ice lava just shooting through the caves, murdering everyone, including a forest full of animals, which yeah. is bullshit because yeah. this movie hates animals. Yeah, it does. Like they're just like they're just like animals. Fuck it, we're gonna drop lava on them. Giant pterodactyl bird. Fuck it, we're gonna riddle him with arrows. We don't care. What the hell's what, like? Even the poor insects got the shaft on this one, actually. Yeah, there was an insect earlier that got maimed because he bit a dude's arm. Like, fuck you, dude. You stuck your arm in my house. Yeah, it didn't even do any damage. Dude's arm was fine. Dude, if you stick your arm in my house, I'm gonna bite it too. Sorry. That's my thing. I have a right to defend myself. Anyway, Juliana is murdered by a falling ice rock, which is hilarious and, and funny to me. Larn and Tigra escape on Larn's pterodactyl, which apparently is fine. Uh, it was knocked unconscious, I guess. They end up crash landing near the edge of a body of water. And upon kind of taking a look around, they see Dark Wolf atop a nearby cliff, having survived himself, looking all badass. Just on a horse, like, what? Say some shit. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, this moment uh, is interrupted when they hear uh, moaning and a troll is crawling out of the water towards Tigra. Lauren decides to pick up a rock and smash its head, but Tigra stops him and says that they need to start over because the battle is over. And then the movie unceremoniously ends. Oh, yeah. Do they kiss? I don't even remember. Do they kiss at I the end of the movie? don't remember. But here's the thing. That entire ending took about five minutes. Like the climax of this movie is like five minutes. I don't know. It may have taken us longer to record this podcast than this movie's runtime. True. Very like, true. It is, it's, it's insane. I'm like, this movie is an hour and 20 minutes long. That's fun. So we're going to play our little uh, end theme here so that anybody who's trying to skip spoilers will hear the end theme, and then we will wrap it up. All right, cool. So, Corey, what did you think of Fire and Ice? I went into this movie expecting it to be honestly kind of beyond cheesy like i was expecting to laugh during pretty much 98 percent of this movie which you know i got a chuckle out of parts here and there that you know I, I i'm assuming weren't meant to be funny just you know awkward dialogue you know you've got some bad voice acting especially like at the very beginning whenever the uh they show the uh glacier going towards the actual village and like the npcs i guess you would call them all the other barbarians running around there's one that says something and it's just like there's no emotion to it whatsoever but like I was really, really happy having to finally watching it. Like it's it's a gorgeous movie. Every bit of art to the movie is just oh I would almost say breathtaking, especially whenever you take in uh take in mind like when it came out, uh, you know, the method of the actual uh animation, how incredibly painstaking that had to have been. Cause I mean, I have trouble drawing stick figures. I can only imagine sitting there drawing over like frames of actual film. I, I liked it. Um with the exception, you know, no movies without its sins, you know, obviously we've been talking about, you know, the pacing of the movie. I would have loved to have seen more of it. Um, with, you know, uh, Dark Wolf, I loved his character, but I feel like he was just built to succeed anyways, just because he was the quintessential badass of the, you know, movie. Um, and then, you know, the, the Wood Witch, I loved her, but again, it just made me want to know more. Which, I mean, I guess that makes it in of itself a good movie because, you know, those are characters you now care about. 
you know, Necron was a great bad guy because by the end of it, I was really happy to see him, you know, die the way he did. So again, successful character, but I kind of, you know, just left me wanting more, I guess. Yeah. And that's the problem with this movie. That's the big problem I have too. Um, I would love to see this movie. First of all, I would love to see an R-rated cut. Uh, I would love to see a cut where when people get hit with a spear, there's some blood. Or I would like to see it go the other direction. I'd like to see them cover up Tigra, cut out the the bitch and slut lines, and make it a straight-up PG-13 movie mm-hmm. or a PG movie. If you have kids and you're thinking about letting your kids watch this movie, uh, I would say maybe maybe wait till they're a little bit older unless you're cool with your kid watching Conan the Bar- or the Conan the Destroyer. Yeah. Um, Conan the Destroyer is about on par with this. Yeah. But I really, really do feel like this movie suffered a lot by the shortness of the runtime. I am, I don't love this movie, but I don't hate it. Uh, I watched it twice for this because I always watch it once to watch it. And then I watch it a second time to take the notes that I'm going to talk about. I, the second time I watched it, I, I liked it more actually than I liked it the first, the first time I watched it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's it is definitely one of the most beautiful, beautifully animated movies I've ever watched. Yeah, I, I think um, that's where I, I that's where my love for it comes from. Yeah, the the, the backgrounds are this beautifully painted, uh, really painstakingly created wilderness scenes and all this stuff. Uh, the rotoscoping of the characters is really cool. Which, uh, by the way, I'm gonna send you here. Uh, we keep a chat open while we. Uh, while we do the show here for anybody who doesn't know, uh, I'm actually going to send Corey and I'll try and put this in the show notes. I'm going to send Corey some, uh, some pictures here of some of the actors. So there is, uh, Lauren and Tigra. Oh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> and here's Tigra alone. Huh? Dude, they took some serious liberties with Tigra. Yeah, they did. <laughs> Tigra kind of hurt from the neck up. Looks like China from the WWE. Yeah. Uh, and from the neck down is a, a scrawny little. She's she's skinny. She's in good shape. I mean, she looks like she's probably like pretty pretty badass. But like, she is not this curvy, ample chested, yeah, super curvy chick. Uh, the guy that played Larn that's in the uh, in the first picture there, he is pretty interesting. Uh, they, when the characters are dressed to be rotoscoped, uh, they they dress like the characters. So he's I got this long blonde braid. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got this long blonde braid and this really awkward belt on and these these big wrist straps, which I don't even know if Lauren has in the movie. But that's kind of interesting. I'll, I'll put those in the, or I'll put links to those in the show notes so that everybody can take a look at it. But yeah, so I mean, from taking something like that and and transferring it into like a, like a movie, uh, that's crazy. That's insane. Yeah. Well, like you even mentioned, like the painting of the movie. Like, do you know who Thomas Kincaid is? Yes. Yes. I yes, didn't yes. realize he had done like work on the backgrounds and paintings in this movie. Did he really? Oh, That's yeah. Bonkers. Right. That's that insane. Was, I read that and I had a double take. And I even like because it was in the um, the Wikipedia page, and I even like clicked the link to make sure it was the Thomas Kincaid. And I'm you know, sure shit enough, it was. Well, it, it wouldn't surprise me though. I mean, like I said, the 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 environments in this are gorgeous. Yeah. And he he does really beautiful, you know, invi- like scenery paintings uh so uh it kind of doesn't surprise me at all but um yeah i think 
I think this was a, it was a solid movie. It's cool to watch. Uh, if you if you're just hanging around your house wanting to watch something, definitely give it a watch. Um, it's actually on Amazon Prime right now. You can get a, like a high def version of it, and I highly recommend that version because the first time that I watched through it, I watched like a standard definition version of it, and I was unimpressed. The high def version brings out so many like colors and stuff. It's amazing. I could imagine. The high def version is beautiful. Beyond that. I always like to ask my guests uh, after watching this movie, uh, who would you recommend see this movie? Like, would you say like, oh, my D&D friends or, oh, if I was having a party and my buddies were all over, I'd have them watch it or. Definitely my D&D friends. Um, I would say pretty much anybody, especially I knew, like in a weird way, I I would think my mother would almost enjoy this movie because she grew up, uh, you know about at the time that it was you know out a little bit earlier obviously but she you know she was into like heavy metal and everything back in the day you know she's an old headbanger from back in the day so i think she would get into something like this she loves a good like fictional story so like strangely enough her um or anybody like i said probably from that time and era who got into uh like yeah like watching the heavy metal movies and what have you yeah, a thousand percent. And I'm right there with you. Uh, I would actually expand it out even to like um, anybody who has an affinity for like the uh, the comic book heroes that were out in like the 80s even. Like even uh, even earlier than that, like if you like early Thor where he's it's it's a little bit cheesy. The drawings and the line work are kind of like simple three color, but they're really cool looking. They're like really solid pen art. Mm-hmm. Even people who like stuff like that would really like this movie. Now, I wouldn't throw this in and show it to every Lord of the Rings fan because they're not going to like it. No, I wouldn't throw this in and show it to my wife because she would make fun of me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. it's just like, you know, whenever I have certain friends over, I never even bring up the fact I play D&D, much less, you know, show them this movie. Those would be the friends I would not. Right. Yeah. You want to definitely keep this to like your friends who are really into fantasy, uh, especially, you know, things like Lord of the Rings and those kinds of things. But the guys who want to read the books, not the people who are like, oh, my God, I love the movies, because liking the movies is a whole separate thing from reading the books and being into the fantasy world. Um, So but yeah. All right. Well, cool. So uh, I would call this uh, another one down for nerds at drive-ins. I just want to let everybody know that Corey and I are both staff members for nerdlifetx.com. Corey's still in the process of getting spun up, but maybe by the time this goes out, he will have some articles up. So go over there and check it out. If you like what I do on here, I host another podcast uh, that Corey was just on called the Gaming with Scissors podcast, also at nerdlifetx.com. If you head on over there, you can listen to that. Uh, We talk about video games, video game news, things we like, things we don't like. It's a bunch of us idiots chatting about games, We're not experts. It's just like talking to your buddies about video games. So definitely check that out. Um, Heck, even if you just want to read some of the stuff that we write or you're just bored, go to nerdlifetx.com. Check it out. Read some of our articles. Make sure you follow NerdLifeTX on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the social media, because that's how you're going to know when new episodes come out. Uh, Beyond that, you can make sure you subscribe to this podcast as well as the other podcasts. And if you have some time, please rate it and review it on iTunes. Uh, It actually really helps us out because if you rate us and review us on iTunes, uh, more people will be able to find out about uh, about the show. Uh, So if you like it, please do that. So far, the format has been uh, me with a different guest every time. I think we're going to continue with that. But at some point, we might have two hosts and a guest. We're just going to kind of see how it goes. So uh, if you like it, you don't like it, you think I need to change some things, you love it, you want me to keep it the same, head on over there, uh, give me an iTunes review, let me know there. 
Um, Corey, do you have anything that you would like to plug? Uh, any social media accounts or anything that you want to you want to plug? No, 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 not really. Not off the top of my head. <laughs> Okay, great. So uh, as for me, if you want to follow me, you can find me uh, at NitroWeasel3K on everything. You can friend me on Steam. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter, everywhere else. So uh, make sure you follow me if you want updates on things that I do, NerdWife related or not. Uh, Most of it is going to be. The rest of it is going to be crap that I think about during the day because... I'm a weird person and I say things. So if you want to read all kinds of weird garbage that I talk about during the day or see my dumb face, head on over to either my Instagram or my Twitter account to see that kind of stuff. Beyond that, we appreciate you stopping by. Uh, Corey, I appreciate you being on the show and and watching this movie. Thanks for having me, Matt. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So uh, until next time, we appreciate you guys stopping by. Thanks a lot. Bye. See you guys.